Get your business together. Get yourself into what you do and see it through. Being boss is hard. Blending work and life is messy. Making a dream job of your own isn't easy. But getting paid for it, becoming known for it, and finding purpose in it is so doable. If you do the work. Being Boss is a podcast for creative entrepreneurs brought to you by Emily Thompson and Kathleen Shannon. Hi, I'm Emily, and I own Indie Shopography, where I help passionate entrepreneurs establish and grow their business online by helping them build brands that attract and websites that sell. I help my clients launch their business so they can do more of what they love and make money doing it. And I'm Kathleen. I'm the co-owner of Braid Creative, where I specialize in branding and business visioning for creative entrepreneurs who want to blend who they are with what they do, narrow in on their core genius, and shape their content so they can position themselves as experts to attract more dream clients. And Being Boss is a podcast where we're talking shop, giving you a peek behind the scenes of what it takes to build a business, interviewing other working creatives, and figuring it out as we go right there with you. Check out our archives at lovebeingboss.com. Welcome to episode number 35. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. A couple of episodes back, we talked about fear. So we wanted to follow up that episode with getting specific about what you do want. In other words, we're talking all about setting goals and focusing on what you want rather than all the scary stuff. And we're bringing our boss boyfriend, Paul Jarvis, in to join the conversation. And I think we all have pretty different approaches and views when it comes to goal setting. I don't think you're going to want to miss this one. If you're building a business and feeling intimidated or unorganized whenever it comes to managing your money, billing your clients, and tracking your expenses, trust us, you are not alone. That's where our friends FreshBooks comes in. FreshBooks is the easy-to-use online cloud accounting designed specifically for creative entrepreneurs who did not major in financing. And they are there to help you run your business and make you look like a pro while doing it. All right, so here's the deal. Talking about money with your clients can be super awkward, but FreshBooks is one of my secret weapons. Whenever I send out a legit invoice from FreshBooks customized with my logo, I don't really feel like I'm begging for spare change for my clients. Instead, I feel really confident like, hey, I'm a business person with real accounting software. Here's your invoice and here's exactly how you can pay me. All right, try FreshBooks for free today. Go to freshbooks.com slash being boss and select being boss in the how did you hear about us section. Paul, thanks for joining us. We just introduced you as our being boss boyfriend. Hooray. <laughs> That's a thing. And today's episode is all about goal setting. So we wanted you to come on with us. Um, not so much as like an expert to tell people what to do, but just as our friend, we're curious to hear what you have to say about goal setting. And um, we're basically trying to trick you into coming on to all of our podcasts. I'm just <laughs> keep emailing you like, hey, do you want to come on the podcast and talk about fear or goals yeah. or money? Yeah, <laughs> or no, grammar. I love it. A gra- definitely sign me up for the grammar <laughs> episode whenever you want to do that. <laughs> just say all right, and our listeners can find out more about you and your online course and sign up for your newsletter at pjrvs.com, but we'll also include that in the show notes. Awesome. Um, you guys, let's dive in. Like, I'm, I'm feeling the vibe here, and I want to keep going with it. Let's do so it. So let's talk about, 
I don't have an agenda at all, like, for today's episode. So, like, one of you start. Like, what do you think about goal setting? I feel like this is Emily's We're we're winging it today, guys. So, my goal for the day is to wing a podcast and not have it completely fall apart. How about that? Um, Goals are huge. Goals are really big for for doing anything in life or business, obviously. You want to do something, you set a goal, and you do it, and you make it, and you have five. Um, But, yeah, let's... Top goals. I am a metrics person. I like to set numbers. I like to dream big and make really big numbers and usually fall short, but that's fine because it makes me better anyway. Um, so I, It doesn't leave you like sobbing into your pillow like, I didn't get my goal. I'm such a failure. <laughs> so I have a no. question, even uh-huh. though I'm the guest. Am I, I guess I'm allowed to ask questions. No, you're, no, you're, you're are. here. <laughs> All right. You are the boss boyfriend, and you can say and interject whenever you want. Okay, so Emily, how do you come up with the numbers for the goals that you set? I usually set realistic goals, and then I double them. So how, so I, how do you come up with realistic numbers then? Like let's let's dive let's dive in deep. Sure, here. let's do this. Okay, <laughs> let's talk. Um, let's talk about like revenue. Revenue is probably yeah. the easiest number to do. Um, and at this point, five years in, we, we have a good growth pattern going. So it's easy for me to look at previous years worth of revenue and like looking at individual months because I have big months. Like um, spring and fall are always really big for me. Winter, summer are usually pretty small. Um, and I can um, I see the patterns and I can um, look at like just growth projections, hoping that it continues to grow at the same rate, if not more than um, it has been. And I will set goals based on that. So let's say um, last year, God, how long do you, last year, I think we made about 150. We'll get super real with this one, 150,000 wow, last year. you're just going there. And yeah, why not? Um, and this year I have the goal, my realistic goal is 250, but I doubled it. <laughs> so your goal nice. for this year is to make half a million dollars. Yes. Boom. Yes. I know, right? And so the sobbing in your pillow question, because I know that I have a realistic goal, and honestly, that's the realistic goal I always make. Always make the realistic one. Um, but having that sort of fake one, <laughs> the fake crazy one, makes me still push harder. So not only do I always meet that goal, but I always usually, well, I always usually, that's not even correct Wh- grammar, whenever, you, whenever you can. <laughs> whenever I can. I'm not going to let that go, just FYI. <laughs> that's fine. Whenever I can, I will, I will far exceed the usual goal. Um, I never make the dreamy goal. Um, so it's not like I go into it, not, I really didn't expect to make half a million this year. Like that would have been great. But like, just knowing that that's my number that I tell myself, um, makes me reach the smaller goal and exceed it every time. It's not even really a goal then, right? You're just like, no, no. I'd (laughs) like to make half a million dollars. Like that's uh, sure. Great. (laughs) No. So half a million is the goal that I work off of. Like I work off. Like, I'm going to launch things and get projects and, you know, email constantly to make sure that I'm making the connections and doing the work and making my clients happy. So that, like, 100 or 500 is my goal. Um, David, the one who actually runs, like, the actual business side of business, (laughs) his goal is 250. So, um, I don't know. It's, It's just how I see it in my head. But I do set numbers, and I double them, and I dream really big, and I always, like, exceed everyone else's expectations, even though they were mine. 
So you de so you basically your goals are basically based on projections from previous data and seeing like so you, you pick like KPIs that are based on like the upward trend of of more I guess. That's yes. Exactly. Like Push is hard. What about you? Either of you? Yeah. So okay. Whenever I emailed you, Paul, and I was like, "Hey, when I come hang out on the show, you were like, I was like, we're talking about goals, and you're like, oh." So, like, what was that about? So, <laughs> yeah, because... Calling I've, you out. Well, I've, I've written about goals before, and I've basically, I've, like, thrown down the gauntlet about not really having specific goals. Like, I don't. Like, I honestly don't have specific goals. Like, for client work that I do, we definitely work off of, like, smart projections and developing things with numbers. So, it's not like, I want to grow my traffic, because that... Oh, grow your traffic then. But it's like, I want to grow my traffic by 400 subscribers per month and have it increase by 200% in three months. So we have like very specific things because then we can work off like, okay, what's the daily goal for that? But for my own stuff, like when I started working for myself, um, I was like in my early 20s forever ago, my goal was basically to make a million dollars a year. And I was like, this is good. This is like, I just got to get this. And then I realized like six months in, that I'm so not motivated by money enough to like keep working 16 hours a day. And at that time I was just doing client work. So in order to make that money, I would just have to keep working more and more hours. Whereas products, it's obviously a lot different. So I scrapped that idea of a million dollars a year and was just like, instead of having goals, I'm just going to have like directions. So like, I want to make products. I want to work with freelancers. I want to work with creatives. So I'm just going to like run screaming that way. And see what happens. Like for my latest launch, the creative class, I had no goals with that. Like my goal was basically to, I wanted to have fun making it. And I accomplished that before I launched it. And then I was, ha I was happy with that. Obviously it, it does extremely well now, but I didn't really set a goal for that. I look at metrics for sure. Like I definitely look at um, growth and revenue and um, like audience stuff, but I don't, do much about it unless I see that something's going horribly wrong, which luckily it hasn't. But like if my, if my conversion rates drop to zero, then it'd be like, okay, my goal is to fix this shit right now. But <laughs> that doesn't really happen. So yeah, I don't really, I, I don't know. I like the process more than I like the outcome because I feel like I'm not in control of outcomes to a certain degree. Like you can launch and you can hope to make half a million or a quarter million dollars, but there's so many other variables and factors. It's like, I don't know. I can't control any of that, really. Like, I know how to do the best I can and work my hardest, but past that, I don't know. Yeah, whenever I first started freelancing, so before I even started Braid, I remember thinking, I don't want to set goals or make a business plan. Like, I just want to track and measure mm -hmm. where I'm at. So whenever it comes to metrics and goals... I like to just track where I'm at and then kind of like Emily, see where I'm at and increase from there. But setting that initial goal is really scary for me. So whenever Emily and I first started being boss, she's like, okay, let's make some goals. And I was like, okay, my goal is I want to make this thing that's so fun and have a place where I can just be really candid and feel good about sharing content again. Um, and Emily was like, uh, <laughs> all right, <Tibby>. what? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? She was like, how about how many people do we want listening? How many subscribers do we want to our newsletter? How much money do we want to make? That sort of thing. So I was like, what? 
money, numbers, you know, what are you talking about? But it was really cool. I really liked how she pushed me into goal setting in a way that I'm not used to. Um, because what was fun is that we were then able to celebrate those whenever we hit them. So it just kind of gave us an excuse, if anything, to celebrate. Yeah, I think the other thing is that I think a lot of times we make like unrealistic goals, like our dreams become our goals. And then that's like scary, scary waters because it's like dreams are good to have, but it's like very difficult to reach those, especially because I find as well, like I see people that I work with or people that I teach that just set goals, but then don't do like the daily required minimums. Like if you want to have like two or 300 people sign up for your mailing list every day, then you need a certain number of people per day. And if you're not doing anything, then that's a dream. It's not a goal. So I feel like goals are only things that exist if you are actively working towards them. Maybe that would be a definition (laughs) that I would run with. Because if you just have that goal, but don't do anything, then that's a dream. Good for you for dreaming, but you're not doing anything to get there. Yeah. Oh, I like a dream is a wish your heart makes, right? Um, (laughs) um, I think I, I read a quote yesterday, and I'm kind of mad I didn't bring the book. I started reading uh, Do the Kind Thing by um, the CEO of The Kind Company. Are you feeling mean? You feeling I'm, I'm a mean person, guys. Really mean. No, <laughs> he's uh, he's the CEO of Kind, which is the um, like uh, granola bar company, and they'd kill me if I called them, if they heard me call them the granola bar company. Um, but um, the whole premise of their brand is um, – built around like doing the kind thing and being good people and all that jazz. And they had a really good quote in there about how, um, how imagination pushes dreams, but then like you set goals from dreams. And I like the idea of a dream becomes a goal when you start taking action towards it. Um, I have this really funny story. Whenever we were in college, David had to take a, uh, like a freshman seminar class and um, they all had to, he's going to kill me for telling the story. Um, they all had to draw a picture of where they wanted to be when they grew up. Um, they were all starting out their college career. And everyone apparently in the class was drawing themselves as teachers and like whatever they were going to school for. And David drew a photo or a picture of himself um, laying next to a pool with a big pile of money. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's what he wanted to do when he grew up was just like live the life with lots of money. And, um, <laughs> I've made fun of him literally for years because of this, but it's been a goal that he's been working towards quite honestly. And today he is at his parents' house swimming in the pool, and he like he worked on like managing the money of our business this morning. I told him, I was like, you realize that this is literally what you've been working <laughs> towards. It's like hanging out by the pool. Instead of a pile of money, you have a laptop, which is <laughs> the same thing, more or less. And um, it became a funny dream that he has actively been working towards and totally gets to live it up sometimes. Um, I think that whether it's metrics or like inspiration or direction. Um, it is all goals that we're working for. I have to be super specific with numbers. Like that's how I push myself is numbers. Kathleen likes feeling. (laughs) (laughs) How does it feel? Well, okay. So I have to tell you, I went to the energy doctor on Friday. Oh yeah. How did that go? All right. So I go to the energy doctor basically because 
I've been feeling, I don't know, probably a little angry and just scattered, spread thin, you know. And he was like, now, are you, are you um, a control freak? And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, I'm getting shit done, right? Like, or would you guys define yourselves as control freaks? Yes. Yeah. Okay, right? Because, like, <laughs> this is the difference. And so he was like, now, and he's a little woo-woo, so he was like, you need to focus on the what and not the how. And I was like, it's my job. I'm like the how person for a lot of other people's what's. You know what yeah. I mean? So, but I love hearing David's story of laying by the pool with a ton of money because he probably wasn't focused on the how. He was just like, here's my vision. And now here, you know, here we are. And he's at the pool. Right. And managing a lot. I mean, like we're counting a lot of money. He's, he's counting money. He is, um, he's spending lots of money. Like he pays everyone and does all the things. I mean, we're, we're buying a house. So like he's dealing with all of that, but he's, he's doing it from the laptop by the pool. So it, exactly. He was super focused on the what, not really caring about the how, and ended up getting there anyway, which is right, so It's awesome. And so, like, <laughs> going back to the energy doctor, like, I I didn't believe him. I kind of was, like, rolling my eyes and thinking, oh, my God, how am I going to tell my husband this story later? <laughs> like, who is, my husband's a total atheist, not into the what or the how or the energy doctor, right? <laughs> He's like, you're spending how much on this guy? So then I was like, okay, I'm going to focus on my what. And then I did realize that maybe there is a little bit of that lacking right now. Like I've been so reactionary and forced into my present moment that I haven't really had time to get super dreamy. And so for me, I think that goals and dreams are kind of the same. And, um, and it's really about for me, goal setting is really about deciding what it is that you want. Mm -hmm. And so for me, a lot of times it's a feeling, Paul, you just described it too. Like, I just want to have fun making this course. It's about the process, not really the destination. Um, which is funny. My sister is the same way, who is my business partner. We used to work at an advertising agency together. And I remember one time we were doing this huge pitch and it was all spec creative which is basically creative that you do for free before the person yeah. ever hires you and it's usually based on like no logic it's just let's make something that looks cool so we spent i mean hundreds of hours lots of money doing this really cool spec creative campaign we almost like completely transformed our office these like a bunch of old white dudes are walking through for this energy company and we totally do not get the client. And so I was all bummed. I was like, what? It's bullshit. And my sister is like, eh, I don't really care. I was like, how can you not care? Well, one, she wasn't the owner of the company. Two, <laughs> she was really much more about the process. I mean, she had fun making that campaign regardless of whether or not the client hired us. So, yeah, I mean, that's even what like uh, the Bhagavad Gita talks about how you're entitled to the labor, not the fruits of your labor. So and it, turning that into creative speak, it's like if you don't like the process, then it doesn't really matter what the outcome is because you didn't really like doing it in the first place. So, yeah, I'm kind of of two minds because I feel like I'm more for my own stuff. I'm more just like, let's just see how this goes. I like doing this stuff because with <laughs> my clients, it's like. 
holy shit, they're paying me a lot of money to like track and metric eyes and figure out everything to make it do better. And so with my own stuff, I'm just like, tra-la-la, let's just, let's just make but some... But you still track your stuff, right? I do, but I don't do that much about it unless I feel... Like, for me, I feel more like if I'm aligned with the direction I'm going, then I don't care about the goal. Like, I don't care about setting goals. If I'm... Like, if it's fulfilling me financially and otherwise, and it's working, then I'm just going to keep trying in that general direction and not really like set anything like when I wrote my first book I was like if I had said like okay my goal is to be a writer or to sell like a hundred copies of my book I'd be like that seems like work let's not do that so I was just like I'm not a writer but I'm gonna write a book anyways and release it and then the book did really well but if I had gone into it with goals and like okay my goal is to be like a best-selling author or a published writer or something like that I probably would have talked myself out of it do you think that's because you're afraid of failure? I think I'm equally afraid, of, afraid fail- of work. I'm, well, I'm not afraid of work, I, but I'm equally afraid of failure and success. So if something does really well, that scares me. If something does really shitty, that also scares me. Tell us more about that. Well, I don't know. It just feels like success is, success is weird. Like doing really well seems weird. Like I wouldn't know what to do about that. Well, okay, the creative class, your e-course is doing would you say it's doing really well? Yeah, it's would done it's almost successful? half of it's done almost a quarter million dollars in less than a year. So it's if we're talking numbers, it's done yeah, almost 250. So creative class could potentially get you that million a year. It could. But that like if that was my goal, then I probably wouldn't like the process as much. I mm. guess is what I'm saying. And yeah, it's, it's Have you ever weird. seen the documentary Beauty is Embarrassing? No. Oh, I am I am embarrassed so... about how beautiful I am. So maybe I should watch that. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I was referring to your resting bitch face, Paul. <laughs> I promised I would describe to it. You, you don't have a resting bitch face. Like you're kind of like Real smiley. Okay, I totally do though. So when my wife and I were show us, show us what it looks like. <laughs> so my wife and I were both before we were in the same band. We were in different bands, so we would both man each other's or woman each other's merch booths. Like while she was playing a show, I would sell her band's merch, and vice versa when I was playing a show. And after a while, she was like, "You can't just sit there looking like you're an asshole. Nobody's gonna come and buy our CDs." I'm like. <laughs> just sitting there she's like you look like a, a a dick though i was like i guess i like i just sit there like i'm like off in my own world i'm thinking all like a gazillion thoughts but like i have a yeah i have a resting bitch face maybe it's just in public like when i'm sitting in the sanctity of my fortress of solitude maybe the resting bitch face doesn't come out as much mine is definitely while i'm driving someone's like i saw you driving and you look so mad Nobody sees me driving. I live in the woods. I guess deer see me driving. <laughs> so, okay, was that ever a goal for you? Like your woods, like your house, your woods, like where you're living, the kind of like lifestyle that you live? Um, No, because in it, well, it was after we lived in like downtown in a city and we realized that was 100% not for us. So our next step was, okay, let's move one to the island and two to the middle of nowhere. So I don't even know, is that a goal? Because we realized we didn't like something, so we sold our condo. We didn't even sell our condo. We put our condo for sale and moved. 
because we were that done with city living. We were just like, hope to God this sells as soon as possible. It didn't actually. It took about eight months to sell, which was kind of scary because we were paying rent and mortgage at the same time. But is that a goal? Because we didn't like something, so we just changed it. So it's just kind of action. Yeah, so maybe. after I went to the energy doctor and he was like, focus on the what and not the how. I was like, okay, I need to, I need to like channel my pool with a pile of money. Like, what is it that I want? And so I was eating some Indian food with my husband and I was like, okay, here's what I want. Let me show you what I want. And I pulled out my phone, got Instagram going, and there are a few people that I follow that just for a living or I don't know, maybe they have trust funds. They're just out adventuring. 100% of the time, they're in national forests. They're out hanging out on mountains. They are rock climbing, and their lives are beautiful. Like, they're all photo like professional photographers that adventure for a living. And I was like, okay, so this is what, this is my what. And I could tell my husband was became very overwhelmed with the how. <laughs> like, oh, great. He's like, what does this mean? <laughs> I was like, and listen, I'm not even going to buy a new couch. We kind of need one because our cats have torn ours apart. It's like, I'm not even going to buy a new couch because in case we need to like pack up and make this adventure Instagram a reality. Do so you think, anyway, do that's you think my those what. People that, are really like that. I don't know. I, I, I love Instagram for that, but I feel like it also like we only post pictures of shit we want other people to see. So I think those people who and I follow a lot of the probably the same people, but people who are like always having like massive epic adventures in nature. I feel like they're also sitting binge watching Netflix in their underwear, but they're just not <laughs> posting that to Instagram. <laughs> right. Like I've, yeah. I've tried, like I've tried to set up the shot and it's like, this doesn't work. I'm sitting in my underwear watching Instagram, watching uh, Netflix. So I don't know. I think it's unrealistic, a comparison there. I mean, yeah. maybe, but if that's your goal, Kathleen, if yeah. that is your what, yeah. go for it. Absolutely go. However, I also want to see the underwear shots in watching Netflix. I mean... <laughs> I'll post those. <laughs> I know you will. Okay, She's whenever, been challenged. You guys, whenever I first got Instagram, I thought it was like Hipstamatic or any of those other, like just photo filtering yeah. apps. And my very first photo is my husband, just like in his underwear crotch shot. <laughs> <laughs> so then once I realized that all this stuff was going onto the internet... I text him and I was like, so you can probably never run for politics <laughs> because... Also, your crotch is famous on Instagram. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is before all that. <laughs> this, is, this is before any Insta fame. So anyway, I deleted it. But um, anyway, I don't know. Okay, so I also think that goal setting is a lot like... Well, actually, going back to what you were saying, um, Paul, about enjoying the process... One of the things that I like to do whenever I'm goal setting or helping other creatives set goals is, okay, so let's say your goal is to make a million dollars a year and then asking, okay, you're making, let's just pretend that as if you're already making a million dollars a year, how do you feel? Like what is different? How do you feel? How do you behave? What are you doing with your million dollars? Because usually it turns out that you can do all of those things now without a million dollars. And so like maybe the feeling of million dollars cultivates security. There are some other things that you can do to cultivate those feelings. Like it's not necessarily less. working. <laughs> like what? Like spending less money. <laughs> yeah. There's that. Yeah. Yeah. I, when I, yeah, like I, 
I guess one of the biggest things for me was I was out surfing with uh, one of my buddies who's a chartered accountant, which is funny because he's like a surf bum. And he was like, dude, I'm like a month away from having enough for the year. And I'm like, tell me about about this enough. And he's like, well, I just kind of work until I have enough money to live off of and enough to put in a savings for retirement. And then I surf and rock climb for the rest of the year. I was like, so he has one of those Instagram accounts. That <laughs> he's, not even on the, he's not even on the computer. Like he doesn't, I don't think he's on social media at all. He just he's doesn't He's like care. so busy living a fabulous exactly. life that he can't even document it exactly. and share it. But he's like, I just worked so I have enough to cover my life. He doesn't spend very much money. He lives like half the year in his car because he's surfing and rock climbing and then half the year in a little condo he has. And he's like, if I make like 60 grand a year, then in like four or five months, then I'm good for the rest of the year. And I was like, I I like this enough because it's just like you were saying with the million dollars, like right now there's nothing like, I don't have a very lavish life, but like I have enough to afford what I need. Like I drive a hatchback. I live in the woods where it's cheap. And like, if I had more money, I don't know, like my wife and I play that game. Like, Oh, what if we won the lottery? We don't play the lottery, but what if we won the lottery? Like, what would you do? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't really have anything, pa- like, I don't really have any needs, and my wants are pretty much covered because I don't really want that much stuff. So, yeah, I feel like my goals are fine because I don't really want more than I have or more than is beyond, like, just a simple, like, decent life. I don't know. Kind of weird. I like what... Kathleen said a minute ago, and like on that about security and how that affects how you set goals, because I've definitely found like, as I've found more security in my business, like I don't even track my like monthly goals near as obsessively as I used to used to, it was pretty legit, like daily knew exactly where we were for the month. Um, so security, like what would you, to say, like, how does security played into how it is that you set goals? Well, I mean, so security has definitely been a big player in how I've tackled my goals. Mm-hmm. So I guess um, I was just telling a client of mine this earlier today. So my secret is that I was able to quit my job working in advertising because I'm married to a guy that if if I didn't make any money, he would financially be able to foot the bill, right? So that gave me a lot of security. And, um, and then he also gave me a lot of emotional support too. So I always tell him, and I remember whenever I quit, he was like, one day you're going to be making more than me. And he's a software engineer and I, you know, big deal. So like, I, or it seemed like a big deal, like uh, to make as much money as he did. Anyway, I was like, no, that's crazy. You're crazy. And he was like, no, mark my words. And so I thought it was really great that he had that much um, faith in me. But uh, so I wouldn't have quit probably, or I don't know, it's hard to say, but I would have been really scared to quit my job and do my own thing if I had not had that security. Um, But because I have that freedom, I was able to do what I want and enjoy the process. And then I think that there is something about in loving what you do where the money just kind of follows it. Um, so that's why I was talking about the documentary beauty is embarrassing. It's about this artist named Wayne white. And 
one of the things that he talks about is just doing what you love. Don't worry about the money because the money will follow. And I think that I've really cultivated some trust and security in that if I do the things I need to do, like if I write, and I wonder if you feel this way too, Paul and Emily, like if I write this newsletter, if I just keep doing the things that I'm doing that I love doing, if I keep um, designing this stuff, if I keep writing e-courses, if I keep putting out a podcast, I trust that everything else will follow. Specifically, I'm talking about the revenue. The revenue will follow. So, I mean, my security comes from, I guess, cultivating a sense of trust, not in finances necessarily, but that in doing the work, things will get done. Yeah, I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that our intentions are evident, even if we wish that they weren't. So when you're just about like making a shit ton of money in like bags with the dollar signs on it, then I think people and more specifically our audiences would see that. Whereas for me, it's like, I write every week because I like doing it and I share whatever the fuck I want. Like, and I try to be valuable to my audience, but I still, I'm sharing things that I think other people will like because I like it. And if I was just about like hard sales, like the news, the email that I sent out for the last pitch of my course, and a lot of it came from me talking to Kathleen about not doing evergreen discounts. So thank you for that. But hey, the yeah. email that I sent out saying like, okay, guys, I think this course is good enough that we don't need discounts. I'm going to cancel the discounts in a week. There's no hard sales pitch. Here's a picture of my rats. If you want to buy the course, cool. That email generated $25,000. Like there was no sales pitch in it. It was just like, this is, if you want the course, it's great for this reason. If you don't want the course, cool too. Like it's, it's fine. I trust this course and I trust the content. And here's a picture of my rats. Okay, but you also said the discount is shutting down. Yeah, in a exactly. Week. <laughs> so I mean, there was a little bit yeah. of a. But, but no, I did write yeah, that email I, twice. I feel like, and I feel like that kind of sums up your entire approach, Paul. Where you're kind of like, "Here's what I'm doing. Take it or leave it." I think that you're really good about that in in your writing and just demeanor and whole vibe. Yeah, I wrote that email twice because I wrote like. <clears throat> an email based on like things I know about like sales pages and pitches and conversions and pain points and all of that. And I wrote it and I paid my copy editor to edit it. And I read it again. I was just like, this is boring. Like, I don't care how this converts. So I'm going to rewrite it. And I just rewrote like the, the most honest sales pitch I could possibly write. That was more just me being honest in a sales pitch. And it said, yeah, like this discount expires in a week, but there's, like there's no bonus to doing it other than if you want it for a discount, you got to act now. And that was it. So I feel like, yeah, I, I feel like I would rather be aligned with what I feel is good than just like some number. Like, I feel like if I did have monetary goals, they would need to be there because they aligned with like the purpose that I have in life and like the values that I hold, as opposed to just like my million dollars a year was just, I want money. And there was no like, I don't even know why I want this money. I just want this money. It was, it's, yeah, my wife was even like, well, what kind of car would you buy? And like, probably another Volkswagen Golf. Like, <laughs> hey, that's what we have. How, wait, wait, tell me more about your Volkswagen Golf. I love my Golf. So we pulled, it, we pulled an Airstream with that Golf easily across the country. The Airstream was a piece of shit, but the car is awesome. I had, last week I had, 1,851 pounds of cedar mulch in the back of it. Like, this car is just a workhorse. 
And I love this it. This fits into my goals now of living that Instagram adventure life. Now I can get my Airstream, and I know that our so we have a GTI, and it's 14 years old. And I started driving it because I liked I like driving it. Yep, it's actually my husband's car. But then last year I was like, I want a Mini Cooper. That's that was my goal. It's total vanity purchase, but I love that car. <laughs> what? I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. Like I feel like. If you've worked hard enough to get the things that you want instead of just the things that you need, life's too fucking short. Like, you might as well, you might as well do that. I don't know. Amen. So I, I like things. I like, you know, being able to buy art or a car or um, nothing super fancy, though. But I found that, like, as I get the things I want... I mean, this is such, I, I shouldn't even follow this thought, but I have found that what I'm really craving is more of like a philosophy of life or I'm craving that, like the way that you're talking, Paul, of like, I just enjoy the process. I'm like, holy sh! I wish I enjoyed the process a little bit. Not that I don't enjoy the process. I do. I just kind of get, um, caught up in it, yeah. I guess. But you or... can enjoy the process without enjoying the trappings of it, right? Like, you can enjoy working with clients, but still get a shitty client that you want to kill yourself over or kill them <laughs> over. But still, like, you still like working for other people. Like, I still like being valuable to other businesses. But I still sometimes get a client that is a, the worst fit in the entire world. So, but yeah, I like what you said about the, um, like, living more to a philosophy than like the actual stuff because I'm like I'm the same I have like all the furniture we bought for a new house because we just had crap furniture before because we moved around a lot so our philosophy for this house was we want to buy stuff we don't need to replace and that was it that like we don't want to have to replace stuff so we have a solid wood dining room table that's just a piece of sequoia and it's one single slab. It's oh, gorgeous. That's like my dream table. Yeah. It, you should look it up on Instagram. It's on my Instagram somewhere. It's on your, see your Instagram. <laughs> but like. Try and that, find my phone. That table's so going to outlive us. Like that table is easily, same with the coffee table, same with the, the chairs that we bought, same with everything other than the couch because upholstery just doesn't last forever, but we could get it reupholstered. So that was really like, we ended up spending a, quite a bit of money on stuff, but I wanted to do that because I don't want to, like, my goal is to not buy more furniture other than, like, stuff that has cloth on it. Yeah, I think for me, whenever it comes to, like, what I'm setting goals for, and, like, Kathleen, you're all about feelings. Yeah, I just want to feel good. Paul, you're all about process. For me, it's, like, impact. Like, and who or how many people can... I help. And I know both of you are probably, like, somewhere in this as well. I'm like, great, Emily. Like, now you're making us look like hedonistic assholes. Like, <laughs> hey, are you? I just want to be happy. I just want to enjoy the process. You're like, I just want to help But, people. like, well, <laughs> world peace. No. <laughs> great. <laughs> well, no. So, okay, you think about my crazy money goals then. Like, I, I'm just redeeming myself here. How about that? Um, so, no, for me, it's it's about monetizing impact in a way or about, about metricizing <laughs> um, impact and, like, what it is that I do for other people. So whether it's the client work that I do or if it's a digital product that we put out or the podcast or whatever it is, like... For me, each year, I want to make more and more impact until I get to a place where I'm, like, all impacted out. But, like, 
along the way, like bettering my life so that I'm in a better place to make more of an impact. Because, I don't know, whenever, like living on the road was cheap, super, super cheap. But because of it, I did never had Wi-Fi. Like I was never able to like make the digital impact on like my community that I could like living in those conditions. So if I need to, you know, move to Chattanooga where I have gig internet and buy a house so that I have a studio that I never have to move again so that I can make the impact that I want to make and it's obviously helping people, then high five and I will measure it in money because that's something that I can measure along the way um, just to see if I'm I'm making it or not and money doesn't even have to be the only metric like we've talked a lot about money goals but um, there are other goals that that we have too. you know for the podcast we set goals for like downloads and how many um, how many subscribers we had which equates to impacts like how many people are we impacting to listen to our, that are listening to our content, and those are just metrics for doing it. I think that, um, I think all three of us probably, it rolls into like, what is it that we can do to share our bit of genius to make other people's lives and businesses better? You can drop the mic and walk away now. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I really do think that that's a good point because a lot of the creatives that we work with and talk to are so freaked out about asking for money or um, building a business, doing what they love. And I think it's just a good reminder that you're doing this because it probably makes a good impact on your clients. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's a great point. Well, and, and I think it's one for, like, our entire crowd. I was reading something. My God, why do I do that? Um, but it was talking about um, entrepreneurship, and especially social entrepreneurship, and how, like, really, we are all social entrepreneurs. Like, we're talking to the creative cloud, but I think by default, we're also social entrepreneurs, and that we're all here to make some sort of difference. Like, all three of us are here to help people build better businesses. Um, I was talking to a client this morning who um, who wants to help her clients get shit done. Like she wants to work with creative entrepreneurs to help them launch their digital products, um, or you know, interior designers who want people to feel at home in their home. Like we are here to do something better for other people, and if given the chance, we do better things for the world. I mean, think about, um, you know, Marie Forleo builds schools in Africa <laughs> and like we use our impact to even expand to make bigger impact. And I think setting goals like that, where, um, where we bring in those social, social entrepreneur qualities into what we do and like, I don't know, affect change elsewhere. Like I'll make goals like that all day long. Like I want to build schools in Africa or fund women in South America, or whatever it may be. So I get a question again. Then, so what would you how what would you do, and how would you feel if you didn't reach like a goal that you set? And has that ever has it ever happened? Actually, uh, yes. Two years ago, I had a <laughs> revenue goal, and I missed it by sixty dollars for the year. Did you beat yourself up over that? Thing? I was pissed. <laughs> I was so, and obviously, like, that's not a huge chunk. Like, I more or less made it. But yes, I definitely don't meet goals. And I don't think about it. I mean, I do think about it. I don't dwell on it. Um, 
I why didn't not? make them for whatever Be- reason. So why don't you dwell on it? Because I'm asking this because I know a gazillion people who do dwell on if they don't meet a specific goal, that's like their life from there on in. So why if, don't you? If I dwell, then I'm wasting energy that could be used to make the next goal. You're not acting. You're just yeah. thinking. You know, I think I never dwell on my failures because um, I guess maybe I don't set timelines to my goals. So a lot of times, um, okay, so for example, and Emily and I have talked about this before, we tried hosting a workshop three or four years ago. About four years ago. No one signed up. One person signed up, we gave her a refund, right? (laughs) So now fast forward four years later and we're having a being boss vacation in New Orleans that has sold out. So... We've reached our goal. It just didn't happen on the timeline that we thought it was going to happen on. And so that's kind of like what my energy doctor was telling me. Yeah. (laughs) It comes to focusing on the what and not the how. Our what was having a cool creative workshop. um, And now it's happening. It's just not happening on the timeline that we thought it would happen on. Yeah. I um, I actually sent out a newsletter about this yesterday. Um, And in it, I said, you know, set goals. And you may not get it when you want to because timelines are the hardest thing to pin down. Like, you never know. Well, and what is time? (laughs) You need to stop going to the energy doctor, Kathleen. (laughs) What was your goal for the energy doctor? Like, what what was the goal? Okay, so two things. Two things. One, I wanted to sleep better. And then two, I wanted to just. feel like a little more enthusiastic about life in general. So I thought that, and really more than anything, it's just kind of paying someone to hold me accountable. Like, okay, so now I'm going to this energy doctor. And this is a whole article in the works of just that exchange of money and energy is holding me accountable to not being in a shit mood. So, um, but I don't know, like there might be some, I just kind of wanted to try it out and um, there was, I mean, it was way left field, you guys. Like there was some like muscle testing, but like asking my spirit and my astral energy, like <laughs> what I needed. And then, so, and then I had to take like 10 drops of like different kinds of, I, I don't know, potions. Is it like homeopathy or was it just like. Yeah, it was. Yes. Um, but like he said, minerals and gemstones like crush up into the drops. And so I was doing like, I took 10 under my tongue and then on top of my tongue, but like he had asked my spirit, which drops I needed. I didn't even comprehend what he was saying. I was like, I hope my spirit knows what he's talking about. (laughs) Anyway, so then I took the drops and then I was all paranoid. Like, what if, what if he's roofing me right now? Or like, what if... And he was like, you may be, you may get sick as the energy, like if, if the energy's dispersed out of you or whatever. And, uh, then I was like, what if he's giving me that drug that makes you throw up? <laughs> like I started getting really paranoid. Um, and then he, so I took the drops and then he did another reading and he was like, you are 34% better. What? I was like, All right. <laughs> if I just need to do this two more times to be a hundred percent done. <laughs> How did you find this energy doctor? I'm curious so, about this. I know, I know. It's kind of interesting. So, um, well, okay, so I've started I'll just let with... Emily laugh in the corner and I'll ask the <laughs> So I've been working with one of my executive coaches who I'm going to have on the show, Emily, actually. And um, 
I was telling him just about my past couple years and specifically the not sleeping thing, which I'm sure our listeners are so sick of hearing about how I didn't sleep for a year. But he was like, this may have actually created some like trauma, like some energy trauma. And so you might go to an energy doctor and get that cleared up. I'm using the word energy doctor. No one else is saying this except me. Um, It's like one step below witch doctor. So I did he have a then, shack in the woods or in the bayou? Or no, something? but that would have been like amazing. That would have like <laughs> that would have been Instagrammable. Totally. His office was absolutely not Instagrammable. So anyway, um, a couple of different people. So when my friend referenced this guy, then at a being boss meetup, one of our listeners referenced this guy, and I was like, this guy keeps coming up. So maybe it's meant to be. He's defined his audience and is just really sticking to that niche. And he's doing a good <laughs> job. Like the, the marketing brain in me is like, this guy's doing good stuff. <laughs> I know, right? And so then it's funny because as I was leaving the energy doctor, like this um, really badass yoga teacher that I know walked in. And I was like, uh, do are we allowed to make eye contact and like say, hey, yeah, I need some energy cleared up too. You know what I mean? It was kind of awkward. I've never experience that but I was I kind of thought man he does have a target audience like (laughs) I probably know everyone but then I did think about from like a marketing and brand standpoint I was like maybe he needs some more personal branding he needs like an office overhaul there's like a disconnect between I don't know but it actually was actually kind of reassuring that going to an energy doctor like it felt much more clinical than woo-woo in a lot of ways so that was kind of reassuring I think the shack would have been cooler. Yeah, me too. I mean, I agree. <laughs> Wait, all right. So, uh, Paul, this is getting way off of goal setting. Are you woo-woo? Are you, like, have you seen an energy doctor? No, I haven't. I you've think read the Bhagavad I can never Bhagavad say Gita. it. Yeah, like, I've, I, that's a, the weird thing about me. Like, I'm, I'm sitting, like, I have, like, necklaces of, like, squished rose petals and uh, rudraksha beads and stuff like that. Like, I have some of this stuff, but I'm pretty much an atheist and we're just sacks of meat that stop being animated when we die. But still, like, I super downer. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> but I still, I don't know, I still kind of, like, explore that stuff, but I don't necessarily, I don't know... I feel like I'll make a decision on all of that spirit and woo-woo stuff when I die. Because then if, it, if it's there, then I'll be like, okay, cool. If it's not, then I'll be like, eh, whatever. I didn't think that anyway. But is it – so, see, my husband and I have this conversation all the time because he is 100% like, I don't even think he believes in love. Like, he's that – like, everything is science and can be explained. Um, we just can't explain it. But I think that, for me, spirituality has not a lot to do with – when we die or where we go whenever we die. For me, it's how we live our life here and now. Yeah. And I feel like I have a decent moral code, like basically not being a dick to people. And I feel like I've, I feel like I've got that covered where some people, if they, if they need that, if they need that external guidance, awesome. Good, good for them that they're, they're finding something to not be dicks. Cause really that's what life <laughs> is all about. <laughs> I agree life with that wholeheartedly. Paul Jarvis has given us the secret to life, which is not being a dick. <laughs> just don't be a dick. Yeah. I agree with that. Can we get shirts? Just don't be a dick. Mm. Um, <laughs> we are making some being boss shirts. Oh, that's in the works. They're going to be rad. 
Okay, so sorry, bringing this back around to goal setting, I I wrote down a couple of things. I said my favorite way to set goals is to make a bucket list. Like I think that that's probably what it comes down to for me is a bucket list. But then also goal setting is a lot like to doing in general. And so I've got short-term goals and those are just like my daily, here's what I need to do. And then there's long-term goals, which are probably more like, here's what I want to do before I die. I can't think of anything that would go on my bucket list. (laughs) You can't? (laughs) That's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) I feel like I've done lots of cool stuff. I feel like I'm going to do lots of cool stuff. I just don't know what it is. And I feel like to me, goals would be limiting in a way that before I started writing and like developing my brand, I like, if you had asked me five years ago, Hey Paul, would you be a, are you going to be a writer? I'd be like, no. Like I didn't even know that being a writer could be a thing or being a course person or being somebody that has an audience could be a thing for me. So I didn't even know that those were goals that I could set for myself. So I just feel like I'm just going to kind of go with the flow. I'm like Mr. Easygoing. Like you are like, you are the guy who just enjoys the ride. Like, You see, you want to be surprised when you get there, and <laughs> you're gonna love it. But you know, but I so so that's actually interesting that you say that, Emily. Because sometimes I think like I wish I could just yeah enjoy hitch it. my cart to someone else's horse and just go along for the ride. But like Paul, I don't see you as someone at all that's just hitching your cart to something and going along for the ride. Like you're definitely driving your own bus. Yeah. So, and I think that's where a lot of times that it turns to shit. Because I am definitely just kind of go with the flow, but I'm 100% invested in action and doing stuff. So I'm doing stuff to keep in line with the direction I want to go because I want to keep going in that direction. So, and I find a lot of people who are just go, I think that's what separates me from some of the hippies is I'm definitely kind of go with the flow, which kind of resonates with being a hippie, but I'm 100% going to sit my ass down and do a whole lot of work. And some hippies I know from experience are not like that. They just want to go with the flow and then just like, oh, I don't need to do anything because I'm going with the flow. It's like, I've got a paddle and I'm going to fucking steer this boat a little <laughs> bit in this current. <laughs> Good. I mean, I think that's awesome. It's like, it's a mindset I almost wish I could ad- adapt, adopt and adapt for who I am. Because like, I find myself quite often not enjoying the ride. Like, I'm in the middle of it, and I'm just done, and I just want to go to bed and lay there and, like, maybe cry a little bit and definitely watch Netflix. Like, that's what I want to do. And then I get pissed at myself because, are you serious? Like, I should be enjoying the ride right now. Like, I think that that, I'm a little envious of that super, like, chill, go with the flow, but, like, super high five to you for also, like, being someone who's going to do the work because... It is a dangerous place to go with the flow and not do shit. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, but like, so this is my thing. So whenever the energy doctor was like, you need to focus on the what and not the how, I was like, "Mm, I don't think you understand. I don't think you get it. But I feel like Paul gets it. Yeah. I feel like you're not, you know, white knuckling the paddle. Yeah. Like you're just kind of paddling. But that doesn't mean I don't get like super stressed out or bummed out about stuff, but I find that it's so much work to not be reactionary, to not be reactionary, like to not just react to everything. And I feel like that's the purpose of things like 
meditation or doing yoga or that is to kind of find that calm in yourself. So then if there's, if life is just shitting on your face, you're not just going crazy about it. You can react accordingly and like take some time to think about it and then react. Because I find that everybody and myself included, it's, it's easy to be reactionary. It's easy to just react to everything. And then you're not in control at all. Whereas if you can kind of like breathe for a second and then maybe react or maybe not react, then it, it, but that's hard. Like it's so yeah. much work. It shouldn't be hard to, to not react to everything, but it totally, totally is. So this is going to seem kind of off topic, but coming back around to the bucket list and how that kind of limits you. Um, I think that if you do make something like a bucket list and I love making a list of just a hundred things that I want to do or experience, I like to also revisit it every year. So at one point on my bucket list, I think I had run a marathon and I am so uninterested in running a marathon. <laughs> like I can die without running a marathon and be perfectly happy. So I crossed it off and I replaced it with something else. Um, so I, I talked a little bit last time on the podcast about this book that I'm reading by Marie Kondo, which is the life-changing art of tidying magic of <laughs> She got it wrong last time, too. It's the life-changing magic of tidying up. <laughs> Thanks, Emily. So in this book, so I read books on my Kindle, which means that I'm not really seeing the title very often, yeah. which means I don't know what I'm reading. But um, anyway, in her book, have you read it, Paul? No, I haven't. All right. So the gist of it is to touch every single thing that you own and ask, does it give you joy or should I discard it? And then one of the ways that she frames up discarding is by asking, has this already served its purpose and is it serving me now? And so for me, goal setting, I mean, I'm just Marie condoing everything. So secret, I'm actually shaving my head on Saturday. Like Shut I'm up! just going to Marie condo my hair. Like, you know, it served its purpose, yeah. but I don't need it anymore. Um, so that's one of the things is like, what do I need and what do I not need? And whenever it comes to goal setting, if I don't need to run a marathon anymore, mm -hmm. it's going off my list. And I will not hold myself to that standard if it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I think we need to, and I'm a big fan of relentlessly questioning things that we believe in or that we feel we need. Because I'm like, I'm, I guess, a minimalist because I have like four pieces of furniture. Because I went through everything. It also helps with my wife and I have moved a lot until now. So it's really hard to move to an island with a shit ton of stuff. So it's like, okay, let's, let's pare down. And then when you move like 12 times in 10 years, it's like you pare down a lot. So <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's the point of minimalism, at least for me. It's not getting rid of stuff. It's just finding what serves me and everything else doesn't matter. Amen. That's, maybe that's I a goal. <laughs> so yeah. do you apply that though? Do you apply that philosophy to your business? Yeah. Well, yes and no. So, like, right now, I know I should be doing less client work because it's not really serving me, but I still do because it's like a security blanket. But at least now I'm super picky and I'm only working with people that I really, really, really want to work with. But, yeah, I definitely, like, I've killed things that have made me, like, decent amounts of money. Like, I've just stopped selling them because, like, for one, WordPress themes. I hate supporting WordPress themes. I don't want to do that. So they were selling well, but it's like... I, if my goal was just money there, I would still be doing that. But it was, I hate doing email support. So I just had to, right. I had to cut it out. So actually, I wanted to ask about your 
surfing friend who is, you said he's an accountant? Yeah. All right. So how does he just work for like four months out of the year? And then, so this is my fear. Like whenever it comes to that idea. Oh, tax season. See, like, so I would, I would love to create that kind of model somehow. And Emily, you know, you probably experienced this too on your recent road trip of like, okay, so if this is my goal to take off more often or kind of do what Stefan Sagmeister did. He did an amazing, I saw him talk in real life at Alt Summit and, um, but he does it as Ted talk on how he goes on a sabbatical every seven years. So instead of, um, waiting to the end of his life for retirement, he's basically, interjecting a little bit of these like periods of retirement into his life every seven years. So I think it's fascinating, but like my biggest fear would just be that the momentum of my business would stop. Yeah. And I get scared with that too. Like right now I'm not taking as much time off, but for a while I was doing like three months off a year. Now when I take time off, it's like I'm taking time off from client work to work on products and now there's like six months of the year that I that I do that. But it's not really – it's not time off because I'm still working, so I shouldn't really call it time off. But I used to take like three months off and like go on a road trip, but not really anymore. Why not? Because um, I just – it's the same. I feel like there's so much momentum and so much opportunity right now for me that if I stop, then I'm going to be at like just an irrelevant old man who doesn't have an audience or products that people buy. Someone's got some FOMO. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm so glad that you yeah. have like a, f- a few of these things. Like you're not totally Zen master. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's like my biggest frustration. When people are like, well, you should, you should slow down and focus on what matters, which I feel like Whenever people say that to me, they're talking about staying home with my baby or sleeping while he's at daycare instead of working. But for me, what matters is my work along with my family. And that's yeah. I'm fortunate that my work matters. Same. And I like my work. Like, I'm not doing something that I, that I don't like to do. I'm doing something that I love to do. Exactly. So it, it's definitely work. Like, I can, in my brain, define, like, work as not super happy fun time like sitting on the couch eating coconut ice cream. I could I could probably do that more than work, but I still love the work. I still love the impact that it makes and that and that sort of thing. All right, so can we in this episode all by sharing a goal that we have? Or is that is that dumb? No, that's not dumb. Emily, what's what's your goal right now? My goal at the moment, I want to take December off. It's a goal. I, yeah. I, I do that partially. I take, um, no, I take from Black Friday to January off from sending uh, newsletters and from being on social and from doing stuff. Because nobody's paying attention then anyway, so I'm just like, whatever, just go do what you need to do, and I'll just like do stuff. But I like uh, that goal. Yep. Yeah. Good. That's a push I need. Yeah. No newsletters. Yeah. <laughs> do it. How about you, Kathleen? Um, I think that a goal that I have right now is actually to start writing more. I took a big hiatus from my personal blog and I have discovered through that, that my blog served as a tool, not just for like capturing and sharing my life in the moment or processing it, but it also helped me shape 
what I want and what I want to be. So for me, writing, um, there's a lot of stuff I'm, I'm actually uncomfortable sharing anymore in that space like I used to. So, no um, more period just, posts? I mean, I'll, I'll write about my period. <laughs> <laughs> it's an epic um, one to search. <laughs> it's more about, like, probably, I don't, I don't know. I'm just not as interested in figuring some things out in front of an audience anymore as I used to be, specifically probably being a mom. But, um... Uh, and, and also like building a business, for example, I used to write about that in a personal space a whole lot more, but, and I, I'm not saying I have it all figured out, but I have it figured out enough that I don't need to explore it anyway. So all this to say, um, I would like to start writing more like at least every other day, um, on the experiences that I'm having. So like, for example, writing about the energy doctor, I did that the other day. I didn't hit publish on it, but I wrote about it. And um, so I, I just, that's my goal is to start writing again more often. Um, but then maybe more long term is to make my Instagram feed look like that of a <laughs> photographer adventurer. That sounds like a great goal. I, I want you to write more. I'm excited to read what you write. Me too. I'll, I'll link you guys to my Evernote files. <laughs> good, good. You'd be like, what did Kathleen write in her diary? Yeah. <laughs> Dear diary. That's access I don't think I need. <laughs> what about you, Paul? What's your goal? Oh, my short-term goal is to not do um, any calls next week. Like, I just keep... I feel like because there's so much opportunity, I've gotten bad at, I'm really good at saying no to clients and projects and that, but I haven't got as good at doing that with like my personal brand and products and that. So I've been doing too many things. So next week, I just want to take a week off. Like I just want to take a week where I need to do, I need to get back to doing more writing and doing more like creating. I feel like it's difficult when you start to develop a following for being a creator because then you're getting pulled in directions that aren't creating anymore. And I feel like I just need to reconnect with that. And long-term, I think I just need to, yeah, just work on being like reactive to everything and just, yeah, just try getting out of the, getting out of the FOMO. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's hard, but good. Yeah. Good goals. Good job, guys. All right. Actually, I'll, the, the last thing I want to say, because when you were talking, Emily, when you were talking about how um, the picture of the, like, sitting by the pool when when David wanted to grow up, and th what I wanted to be when I grew up was a dinosaur. That was my goal. <laughs> I love that. My nephew wants to be a dinosaur whenever he grows up right now. I, I just still oh. don't know what I want to be when I grow up, to be honest. Yeah, yeah me I'm neither. Good. It's It's fine. I'm grown up, and I like it. Oh, I like go. that my job is sitting here talking to you guys on a podcast. Amen to that. Yeah, there's it's worse things bad. to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Paul, thank you for joining us. Um, what are you up to these days? Where can they find you? Um, writing for my newsletter, The Sunday Dispatches, which luckily goes out every Sunday, pjrbs.com, and teaching my creative friends on the creative class creativeclass.io which is rocking it out by the way I, I check on it every now and then the updates look fantastic thank you 
And I also want to mention that um, Paul has a podcast called Invisible Office Hours. You can listen to the archives, but a new season will be coming up. And we're also having Jason, your co-host, on Being Boss soon. So for our bosses, I would love to hear what their goals are, maybe in our Facebook group. Um, Just holler at us and let us know different ways that you're setting goals. And we'll see you next week. Hey, bosses. I'm going to take a second to interrupt this episode to tell you that if you're liking being boss and you're ready to level up your game, we've got something just for you. Check out the Being Boss Bundle. It's Kathleen's DIY Coaching for Creatives and my Get Your Shit Together series bundled together at one low price just for you bosses. You can find that at lovebeingboss.com bundle. If you like Being Boss, be sure to sign up for our newsletter at lovebeingboss.com where you'll get episode worksheets, secret content, and other goodies delivered straight to your inbox every week. Again, that's lovebeingboss.com. Do the work, be boss, and we'll see you next week. saying that someone said we say whenever instead of when I don't understand what that means like I've seen people say that but you actually just did it whenever you were doing the FreshBooks ad and that made me think about it but someone pointed out that we both say whenever and when I guess we mean to say when so like instead of when we do something it's whenever we do something and someone pointed out and there's like a whole thread of people talking about how they notice that, and, like, they're trying to figure out if it's, like, a, a slang thing or just because of where we're from I've in the country. Never, I mean, I've always been proud of never saying, like, fixin' to. I do. <laughs> <laughs> That's because you're, like, truly Southern. But, yeah, so a lot of people are talking about how we say whenever, whenever, whenever we want. Uh, see, I've seen people talking about that, but I didn't even know what they were talking about. I, I didn't I know it was a even, thing. like, wrap my mind around what they were talking about. Yeah, me neither. I, I didn't know this was a thing, to be honest. Apparently. Yeah, well. Apparently it's a thing. There's a whole thread about it. So whenever you wow. get a chance, you can go check that out. <laughs> <laughs> that, to me, that doesn't sound wrong, though. Well, and I don't think it's a, I hope it's not a wrong thing. It wouldn't surprise me if I'm speaking wrong. <laughs> Honestly. Like, seriously. Is this podcast about grammar? Well, never. It will never saying. be about grammar. Thank God. <laughs>